That's right. And in the same way, I can just passively rest on my hand in a push-up position mm-hmm. and be doing my push-ups, really, mm-hmm. and not providing my head, neck, and shoulder, and trunk with adequate active support through my hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just because you're on your hand or on your foot doesn't guarantee that it's actually an active support point. Yeah. It's you just, can just kind of you can just be resting with your elbows locked out. Yeah, right, right. Um, so I think that there is a difference between, again, we come down to a fixed point and a support point are two different things. Um, uh, all support points are fixed points, but not all fixed points are support points. And so we rarely have to analyze, not only in, in movement, we have to analyze what are support points, what are fixed points, what are mobile points, and what are what I would call buttressed uh, segments, meaning that the the limb is free in space, but it is used as a counterweight. It is still a phasic limb, but its weight and inertia is allowing a slowing down or balancing of movement or creating a pseudo fixed point that allows a chain to function better. So, um, in Just to put the- a practical example on what you're talking about, because I know that you've, I've heard you say this before, so, this idea of, uh, you know, a, a virtual a support point or That's a buttressing. Right. You know, if you're, you, if you're talking about a th- any kind of throwing athlete, Mm-hmm. The arm that has the actual object that's being thrown mm-hmm. is typically considered the phasic arm. It's the arm that's involved right. in the moving, mm-hmm. whereas the opposite arm that is reaching out in front of them mm-hmm. is, in DNS terms, considered a supporting arm. Mm-hmm. Even though it's free in space, mm-hmm. it is still acting in a support. Now, yes. Robert, you, you're, you, you qualify this a bit more and say, well, it's not a true active support or fixed point or, or take it from there exactly how you would kind of well because the muscle pull must go from the distal segment which is free in space to the body because it is not fixed however co-contraction of the muscles from distal to proximal give the, a certain stiffness to the arm and that stiffness becomes a virtual counterweight with its inertia that will allow um, anchoring, relative anchoring in space of that area so that the body can move towards it. Mm-hmm. So you then are creating almost a pseudo-support kind of uh, situation that allows now relative weight, speed, and mass to become a, a slowing down or an anchor that is moving but still has an effect. Just like if I had a ship with a, an anchor, the anchor does not necessarily have to hit the bottom 
but the drag from it starts to slow down the ship because it's mm-hmm. it's yes and and then when of course if it hits the bottom then boom it will anchor it once it touches something and digs in then you have a true support point but it already it's starts like a spectrum of support that's right where there one is. end of the spectrum is that's right it's a full blown digging in and then there's a drag a, a resistance in space because of um, of the way in which the limb is stiffened. And um, again, this brings us to the fact that the body can create leverage. Leverage is a phenomenon of of adding levers together to gain more a moment uh, moment force around an axis, around axes, several axes. But this is something that is peculiar only to living uh, uh, entities. A table can't do it. If a table falls on its side, well, that's it. You can lift it and put it back up. It can't resist. It can't push you away. It can't stop you from turning it. That's it. But you, but a person for can. Yourself. If I go down, I'm going to need help. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Another five years, you might find yourself in that situation. I know we we call a truck, <laughs> yeah. but um, you know that is the ability of anchoring of leverage that we can add moment forces together throughout the body to make uh, us stiffer, and therefore the final moment is larger than what you would normally do if you were unable to add those different levers together. That is what makes testing the chains possible. Because when I I establish a support point and I put my muscles pull towards it, it affects the mobility of my center of gravity. It means now that you're going to have to put a little more effort into moving my center of gravity because I'm anchoring it, actively stiffening the levers that come from my center of gravity to that fixed point. A table can't do that. Anything dead cannot do that. So it is. Um, this is fascinating when it comes to movement analysis, when it comes to exercise prescription for your patients. What do they need to know about the supporting function? What does it mean and how does it behave throughout the movement? If if you are then able to analyze it, you can not only improve on the chains, but it means you can be very much more specific in the exercise choice, in the vectors that you choose and how you are going to monitor and retest for improvement in the goal that you have in mind for your patient. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it is a beautiful thing. I mean, it's not easy uh, by, mm-hmm. by any means, and, it, and it's always, it's, it, it's you know, I, it's not as if I'm the perfect expert on, the, on it, but the, uh, it's constantly confusing. You have to constantly kind of pay attention you to what you're doing a lot. and what you're testing because yes. you can get tricked or confused very easily. Yes. Um, but just to, again, just to kind of go back and putting a practical analogy on this, mm-hmm. it's you've got your patient generally out of pain. You've desensitized them. They're able to brace and breathe effectively. 
um, you know, there maybe their their uh, initial uh, painful area is still a little bit sore, so you do a little work there. But at that point, like you said, it's okay. They're feeling relatively good. They're able to show you some sagittal stability. Well, now what do you yeah. do? You know, That's if right. you just start in uh, the first position and keep working through week to week, well, according to you, it's well. Let's see how, even though they're obviously out of pain, let's see how well the chains are functioning. Yes. And at that point, you might find that um, the oblique chains can function if the person is standing on their feet. But once you take them off their feet, the, and the left oblique chain going from the left shoulder to the right hip doesn't seem to be functioning well. Right. And in fact, it's only the anterior aspect of that left oblique chain that doesn't seem mm -hmm. to be functioning well. Right. The posterior aspect seems to function just fine. So we constantly, and you will, you are constantly honing in and narrowing down because once you say, okay, well, it seems to be a problem of the chain going from the left shoulder to the right hip. It's only the anterior aspect of that chain that's a problem. Mm -hmm. And it's only when the patient is on their back. Yes. If I put them oh. on their feet or if I sit them up, it seems to be perfectly fine. It's only, So now you have ruled in and out a whole bunch of exercise positions, basically, well, that's it. that you don't necessarily need to spend a whole bunch of time on. You put them on their back. You put them into developmental positions that utilize that, that particular chain, chain and mm -hmm. you can add resistance and pay attention to that particular aspect of that chain that you have now tested and provoked. And that's why it's a beautiful thing. If you enjoyed this conversation and want to hear more like it, then please like this video and subscribe to our channel. You can also stay up to date on our latest seminars on our social media pages on Instagram and Facebook at IMTR Seminars.